I'm Rihanna Dillon. And welcome to the British Podcast Awards as powered by ACAST. Now, as we know, it's been a bit of a strange year for all of us, but we are absolutely here to celebrate tonight all the incredible work that you have created that delights our ears on a week-to-week basis. Have you ever dreamed of living on a paradise island? That's exactly what Yvonne Campbell is doing for a whole year. Otherworld Travel presents Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island. Welcome to this week's episode. I can't believe I have been here for three months already on this beautiful island. Firstly, a huge thank you to all of those who keep tuning in week after week for every episode. This week, I am especially excited as Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island, has been nominated for a British Podcast Award 2021. This required me to put together a reel from different episodes, so it made me take some time to reflect on my journey so far. Someone asked me what I have achieved since I've arrived in Barbados. So, I can actually live in 30 degree heat. Now, this might not seem like a challenge for some of you, but I am usually most comfortable in autumn or spring. And I'm not going to lie, I have actually missed a few cold, dark nights of winter. Not too many of those. But actually, living in this heat, it was a pretty big achievement for me. There's no doubt it will get more challenging in the summer when it is probably about the same temperature, but more humid. Well, that's what I'm told anyway. One thing I have not achieved, however, is working out how to wear makeup for a night out in this heat. It usually, yeah, starts dripping down my face. So maybe the makeup is just ditched from this point forward. Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island. So what have I been up to? Well, over the last three months, I've done quite a lot. So everything from trying out local food. Here in that. It's going from rib-like to an actual tail, going to the tail end. Look, you see it? It looks a bit like a sausage, but it's obviously the end of the tail. I would say penis, didn't I? Look, if you get tongue. Oh, to a beach walk with the Beijing warrior who knows every single beach bay and cove on the island. You know, I've driven everywhere. I've covered everyone on the island. I can't remember them all by name, but if you're blindfolding me, drop me anywhere on the island and say, well, fine, so-and-so from here, I will be able to find it. That's without a doubt. Basically, did the videos for that as well. I know how treasured your vacation time is. When I travel, my partner especially does a lot of research on everything before we leave, if we're not familiar with the area, so that when we get there, we know exactly what we want to do and that we can really put the time, the limited time we have to the best purpose possible. So that's another reason for the videos I do as well. I do it my way because I want to do it with the passion that I have. I'm not into giving you history on years and dates of any any activities or any development, etc. I'll give you a general kind of knowledge of the time frame, but my main purpose for showing you all of my videos is to expose you to Barbados, the way I see it. I call it beauty through my eyes, and that, that is what I like to bring to all of my videos. That's amazing, Nicholas, and I think you've just identified a new YouTube series, which is Blindfold Nicholas and setting them off <laughs> where he gets to. That actually would be nice. I wouldn't mind the challenge. That would be fun. And in celebration of International Women's Day, I got to speak to some remarkable Bayesian women, including Sherry Jones, who has been long-listed for the Women's Fiction Prize 2021 in the UK. Some people started to 
think over time that, you know, women in establishing that we are equal and just as capable and deserving of equal pay and, and equal treatment, that we should do all aspects of our roles equally well at all times. And I've never been able to do that. So I think that's one of the things we need to challenge. Any of those functions is a full-time job. So <laughs> absolutely, which is anybody. what I said at the start. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> anybody, kudos to anybody who manages to do all three or four full-time roles well all the time. I am not superwoman and I choose to challenge that notion. I'm a human being trying to fully realize my potential and myself. Another thing I have managed to achieve is how to deal with mosquitoes. So I've had some good advice. Well, first of all, I started out with off spray. So there's this kind of very colorful bottle and it says off on it. It's pretty effective, but it is definitely full of chemicals and lots of DEET. I had never heard of citronella before I came here, but a neighbor told me to mix citronella, which is like an essential oil, with some coconut oil. And I tell you what, it really worked. So the best time to apply it is first thing in the morning, whenever you're waking up, and just as the sun is going down, it makes such a difference. Especially here in the West Coast, where there's not so much wind, so you do get a lot of mosquitoes. However, I have heard in the grapevine that Avon Skin So Soft does the same kind of job. So that is one thing I will have to get my visitors to bring over with them when they eventually get here to visit. The other thing I have been really kind of blown away by is the amazing people that I've met here. So there's been lots of very friendly locals who have gone out of their way to help. And then I've had a lot of neighbours who have proved really important, especially given the restrictions that were in place over the last few months. Friends of friends seem to be utilised here even more than I've ever come across and people are continuously expanding their networks. So both personally and professionally, everyone's really happy to introduce you to others. If there's anyone out there who's been thinking about coming to Barbados and is worried about meeting people, you definitely should not be worried. I'm especially grateful that a number of people that I've been spending time with have decided to extend their stay and will be here for a while longer. People are also here for all sorts of reasons and doing really interesting things, whether that is writing a book, recording an EP, taking some time to refocus priorities or simply just working from a different country. Everybody's got a very interesting story to tell. It does feel like a very transient place though, and I would assume that people would be coming and going much more if it wasn't for the current pandemic. So that could actually prove a bit challenging in terms of forming solid friendships that will last beyond a few weeks. Local people and businesses have been so responsive to my podcast as well and are keen and excited to get involved. So that has been absolutely brilliant. And one thing I will say is the Bayesian people, they're a very proud nation and they absolutely love talking about their country and this island and what it has to offer. Another thing people ask me is what I think about living here now versus what my expectations were before I arrived. So to be honest, I'm not really too sure I had expectations as it happened really quickly. I suppose one expectation was probably how much I would love living by the sea. So essentially, I was planning to upgrade from living by the river in Belfast to living by the ocean here in Barbados. And I must say that has definitely been exceeded. You are probably sick and tired of hearing me say it, but 
the sound of the waves. They are so soothing and yeah, just so relaxing, put you in a bit of a trance. Then there's all sorts of birds, including hummingbirds, which are absolutely fascinating to watch. There is crickets, tree frogs, green monkeys, the geckos, and in recent weeks, even fireflies. So last night I lay swinging on my hammock on the balcony for a good half an hour, watching about half a dozen fireflies flittering between palm trees. It was truly magical. That was something I wasn't really able to capture on a photograph or video because they were just moving so quickly and they were kind of in the darkness. You weren't too sure where they were going to be next. What I have been really surprised at was how easy it was to settle in and how quick time has gone. So I can't believe it's been three months already. The local people have been really friendly and so welcoming and have gone above and beyond to make you feel at home. I'll give you an example. My friend Anne was shopping in a local supermarket and she had forgotten her wallet. The manager of the store lent her money from his own pocket to pay and said she could come back the next day to repay him. So if that isn't generosity, well, I don't know what is. And also the other thing I've noticed is if you see a bus coming and you see somebody running for a bus, unlike at home, the bus driver usually stops and waits for you to get in the bus. I've got a funny feeling bus drivers at home are taught to just drive on as soon as possible if they see somebody running for the bus. Off the back of my podcast episodes to date and various people I have met over the last few months, I'm really excited about some of my up and coming podcast episodes. They should feature things like rum making masterclass, a golf lesson, trying out some beach tennis, visiting the East Coast, learning all about sustainable farming and hopefully I will get to visit some attractions when they open again, such as Harrison's Cave, Hunt's Garden and St. Nicholas Abbey. Let me know if there's anything you would like me to try out and have on the podcast. I've put together some highlights of my first three months and what a three months it has been. To start with, here is a bit about my move to Barbados. Life in Barbados. I was seeing my family that week, so luckily we managed to see each other in a window of all the restrictions. My family live in Derry and I'm in Belfast and they came to Belfast for some dinner. So I broke the news to them and they were incredibly supportive and really excited for me. So with that, I got even more excited. So I started selling some other friends and likewise, I think everybody's seen it as a really good opportunity. So I've been really thankful for the support and the encouragement from everyone because it's a really big deal giving up your life and moving to another country, especially another country you've never been to before. So that was me all set. I was due to leave around the 6th of January. I had about five weeks in front of me. And my plan was to start packing up my apartment, start working out what I was going to do with all my stuff, would I put it in storage, get rid of it, what was I going to take with me, and just work out any other practicalities that I needed to put in place in order to make the move. That was all going pretty well. I was kind of mapping things out. I'm a great planner. However, a couple of weeks after that... Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining the latest... Uh coronavirus press conference. Yesterday afternoon, I was briefed on the latest data that shows the virus spreading more rapidly in London. Things started changing in the UK once again, and further restrictions were announced. So 
it was 4.30, I was watching the live press conference by the Prime Minister and he started talking about essentially cancelling Christmas. Uh, it is with a very heavy heart, I must tell you, we cannot continue with Christmas as planned. So with this, I thought flying on the 6th of January was going to be a bit of a challenge. So nothing had been talked about in terms of ban on international travel or anything along those lines. But I started reading between the lines and started thinking, I should probably get out of here sooner rather than later. Within half an hour of hearing the news, I had rebooked my COVID test because you do need a negative PCR COVID test to enter Barbados. I had rebooked my flight to the Tuesday. Now, this was the Saturday, so it didn't give me very long. I made it work. I spent the next couple of days packing up. So I had my COVID test on the Sunday. Results were back on Monday and I tested negative, thankfully. And I packed up my life, really, and made the move from Belfast to Barbados on the Tuesday. So it was definitely a hectic few days. There's no doubt about that. And I boarded the flight from Belfast to London, first of all, on Tuesday morning. And I'm not afraid to say, I think it was tears for the whole flight. (laughs) Now, altitude does get me quite teary and quite emotional. But I think what happened was the few days previous just went by in such a flash that I didn't actually have time to process exactly what was happening. I made a split decision to bring the journey forward and I was kind of flat out between actual work because I still had work to do as well as packing up my life. So by the time I got to London, took a bit of a deep breath. I was lucky enough that it was kind of flying business class. So I went to the business lounge, sat down, relaxed, had a drink. But then I also realized there was another opportunity to upgrade to first class. So I took that opportunity and, well, it was the icing on the cake for the trip, really. And I think once I boarded that second flight in first class, I was so overwhelmed with being in first class and enjoying that that I suppose I forgot about the rest of the move. (laughs) Uh, And I think I spent my entire time on the flight probably connecting with people over email or social media or WhatsApp to tell them that it actually left Belfast because I think it was only my family knew at that stage that I decided to leave early. So I had an amazing flight, really well looked after by the British Airways staff very comfortable journey. If anyone ever has the opportunity to upgrade to first class, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity for most of us, give it a go. And a little tip for you, try doing it at the airport because it was a hell of a lot cheaper than it would have been booking it in advance. So why not give it a go sometime? Please remain seated with your seatbelt fastened until the fastened seatbelt signs have been switched. Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island. To celebrate my podcast nomination and as a thank you for tuning in each week over the last three months, I have a special offer for you. As you will have heard me mention, I am an accredited travel agent with the award-winning travel counsellors specialising in Barbados. I am offering a free holiday consultation and will provide you with a bespoke itinerary that meets your every need. And for the first five people who book with me by the 18th of April for holidays right up until March 2022, I am offering a 10% discount. Who better to book your dream holiday to Barbados with than someone who lives here? My promise to you is that I will never recommend a hotel or experience that I have not tested myself. Head over to life-in-barbados.com forward slash offer to book your free consultation now. Life 
in Barbados. I love Christmas, everything about it, but this year was very different and I was actually expecting to spend it in quarantine. Life in Barbados. The nurse had told us that there was a bit of a backlog in the lab, so not to expect our test results for about 72 hours. But to be honest, I didn't mind that I was going to have to spend Christmas Day in quarantine because look at where I was. And whenever you see some of the photographs on my Instagram page, I think you'll understand that's a very small sacrifice to be made for spending an entire year in this beautiful island. So it is Christmas morning. It is 5.45. That's one of the things I'm finding in Barbados is you're to bed early and up early in the mornings. And I have just woken up to a notification that I have an email from the nurse who done my COVID test. So I am just opening up my laptop and see what the email says. Let's see. Okay. So from the nurse, good evening, Yvonne. Oh, this came through last night. God, it came through at 10 o'clock last night, actually. Um, you have tested negative for COVID-19. Woohoo! You know what this means? I get released today and I can go and enjoy Christmas. Oh my God, this is the best news ever. I cannot tell you I was like a kid on Christmas morning. I jumped out of bed and it was probably the best adult Christmas present I've ever got. Surprise, was not expecting that. Yes. <laughs> the nurse said, like, you definitely won't get the results tomorrow. That's what she said yeah. yesterday. So the negative test meant that I was free of quarantine and I could, yeah, go over to the other side of the hotel and start enjoying some of the Christmas festivities out of quarantine. So it's now 6am, 15 minutes since I noticed that I got my test results in. Really super excited. One of the things that came up last night in social media was a lot of people talking about Queen's Park in Bridgetown on Christmas morning. So there's a big Christmas tradition. People generally go to church at around 5.30, then head on to the park where there's lots of live music, festive, Christmassy, everybody's dressed up to the nines. And I was a bit gutted that I wasn't going to be able to make it, especially since I'd be stuck in quarantine whilst everybody else was out having fun. But I am just off the phone to reception and they think that they can get me a transfer to take me to Queen's Park. It's about a 20 minute drive away. Our next selection will be, it's the most wonderful time of the year. There are performances from both the Royal Barbados Police Force Band and another gospel group called Promise. Now, it did not disappoint. Have a listen to this. How could that not set you up for an amazing Christmas day? I must say it was an experience. One of the things you probably won't understand from the audio clips that you just heard was the fashion on the day. So everybody was dressed in their best suits, including a group of around 10 gentlemen who were very dapper indeed. Have a look at the photographs in the show notes and you will understand what I mean. Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island. One thing that has always been important to me is where I live. It's more important than the house or the apartment. The environment around me is really key. And if I'm living in Barbados, well, I don't want to be living in a nondescript place that could be anywhere in the world. Life in Barbados. 
I've been really lucky that I've had the help of somebody called Chris Para from One Caribbean Estates to help me find somewhere to live. So luckily, I was put in touch with Chris by some other colleagues who have met him before. And he has really been able to help me work out where I want to live and find the perfect place for me. So the first decision was whether to stay on the West Coast or the South Coast. So there are other areas, but I think for me, whenever I did some reading around it, those were the two main areas that are shortlisted. Hi, Vaughn. So I guess the best and most straightforward answer to your question is that the main difference between living South Coast or West Coast is really access to amenities and price points. The South Coast is very appealing to a younger crowd because the prices are, are more competitive. Over the years, it's developed uh, as more of a tourism hub. Chris then put together a number of amazing properties for me to go and view. Now, I must say they were pretty outstanding and they met all my needs. So everything that I said I needed, he got it right. However, I did get used to the sea views in the hotel that I was staying in before the sea breeze. And the sounds of the waves were like a trance, really. I really got used to just the, the whole kind of rhythm of the waves and the noise in the background. I just find it really calming. And I think after looking at some properties that didn't have beach views or didn't have the ocean view, I was determined to maybe find something that was directly on the beach itself. So one of the things I loved about Chris was it didn't matter if he didn't have something to match exactly what I wanted within my budget. And he went on a mission to find the perfect place for me. And what a result. So just got my keys to the new place. Going to check out what it's like from the inside because I've only seen it from the outside so far. Let's see. What can I say? Actually, living the dream. Wow. Oh my God, look at that. Beautiful high ceilings. The fans are going. We've got a breakfast area. Look at that wood. The wood structure is stunning. And oh my God, that balcony. It is huge. Bigger than my whole apartment in Belfast nearly. Look at these outdoor seating area. I can see myself sitting here with a rum and coke, enjoying the sunset. So you can actually head over to the Instagram highlights to check out the video itself and get a good look at my place. It's absolutely stunning. And look at that. You walk out from the master bedroom straight onto the balcony again. Double hammock, which no doubt I'll be having a few naps in. And then look at that view. At the very bottom of the garden, you've got access to the beach and the gorgeous turquoise ocean. So last night, I spent about an hour chatting to the owner and found out some really interesting things about the property. So it is a two-story plantation house and I've got the top floor apartment. So he bought the land about 40 years ago and it is surrounded by 10 160-year-old coconut trees that essentially act as a natural air conditioning unit. So one of the things I've been really surprised about is in the apartment, it's really cool compared to a lot of other structures that I've been in and other ones I've went to see. So it is all his own design. So the owner has designed every last detail. So it's set back from the sea quite a bit. And he said that was really purposeful to create like an open space and where you can actually enjoy the beautiful building from a distance from the beach. So, you know, a lot of the properties on this beachfront are kind of right up close to the beach. But whenever you walk past this, you can kind of see the house in all its splendor. And yes, I have been spending my evenings on the balcony sipping rum and cokes as I expected and watching gorgeous sunsets. 
So being in the West Coast, you can imagine the kind of sunset that you get to see. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Please do subscribe to Life in Barbados to follow my journey and never miss an episode. Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island. Next up, food, 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 my favorite pastime. The supermarkets are pretty similar to home, as are many of the restaurants. But once you go to the markets and the local food canteens or trucks, well, that is a different story. Life in Barbados. So I was looking online and I came across Licorice Food Tours. So they are a top rated tour company in Barbados. They have the original Bayesian walking food tour and I thought I should check it out. So me and my friend Simon went along and Janelle was our guide for the day. And afterwards, we also caught up for a chat. So the name of the company is Licorice Food Tours. Can you tell us about the significance of the name Licorice? Licorice is actually a Barbadian term. So if you were to say to someone in our dialect, you licorice, what you're really telling that person is that they're a very greedy person. So it means that you're greedy in the sense that you like to eat a lot of food. So that's the person who would usually overconsume or overeat. You would call that person a licorice person. What's the food of the indigenous people of Barbados? The indigenous population, for the most part, they would have consumed a lot of root vegetables. Right? So the cassava, also known as yucca or Brazilian arrowroot, sweet potato, potato, yams, corn, peas, beans, right? all these various things they would have consumed and that's what we actually have in common with them. We share a similar diet. Right? So bear in mind, um, as I mentioned on the tour, we no longer have any of our indigenous population. Going back to the 1500s, a lot of the Spanish, they came through a lot of the smaller Caribbean islands and they actually took away many of the indigenous people from smaller Caribbean islands like Barbados and they took them away to work in the bigger Caribbean islands. So that's the reason why Barbados no longer has any of its indigenous population. However, if you were to go to some of the neighboring Caribbean islands, like for example, Grenada, you might still find small minority groups of their indigenous population. Life in Barbados. This week, I ventured to the supermarket for the first time. I went to Massey's in Town. So the usual protocols are still in place, allowing so many people in at one time. When I went, there was no queue, thankfully. You have your hands sanitized. Social distancing inside the supermarket is encouraged. Some aisles more so than others, it actually happens. For some strange reason, I was really looking forward to checking out the supermarket so you can hear all about it here. The expat-themed products available. There is loads of Warburton's. English muffins, there's normal bread that you get back in home in the supermarket, so I'm quite surprised at that. I've got some Sprite lemon, lime and cranberry. Ugh, who thought of that idea? Not too sure, it's very appealing. So I've just come across a huge bagel section, uh, but the most surprising thing is actually they're really high protein bagels, so yeah, strange. My personal trainer would be absolutely loving this. He's always going on about how we have to hit our daily protein targets with 130 grams a day. And yeah, these, I think these would do the trick to help me get there. So I picked up a few bits and pieces, but I also realized that my shopping was very much like my shopping back home. And I thought I needed to get my act together and go and try some more local food. 
on the tour you pointed out Chefet, which correct me if I'm wrong is like a fast food takeaway and I think one of the specialities is roti can you explain to us what a roti is so Chefet is a local fast food chain and the menu items that they have available is is pretty much similar to what you would see if you go to KFC so you're gonna get your fried chicken and you'll get your fries and so on just like at KFC but they do have some exceptions and one of the biggest exceptions would be something called a roti so the roti was actually brought to the region back in the 1840s by East Indian contract laborers who came to Trinidad and it's now become very popular throughout the region and a roti basically this is going to be heavily influenced by Indian cuisine since most of Trinidad's population is of Indian descent so if you've never tried a roti before the base to it is an Indian flatbread called a chapati and then you get a variety of fillings so if you go to Shafet you'll get different things like your all beef roti could be chicken potato or even all potato roti all right so while Shafet is very popular among locals I usually also like to give other recommendations of other places you can go to to try out a roti all right so for many Barbadians Shafet for them that's that's their place to get their roti but for me I usually go to at, uh, at least two or three other places so I my first recommendation is the roti shop that's also another place where you can actually get a lot more options to choose from that you, that you wouldn't find if you go to Shafet. the other place i also usually like to recommend is called chutneys and chutneys that's a local brand and uh, once again and they give you a lot of variety so you'll be able to get um, options like for example seafood uh, you can get shrimp in your roti you can get the salted cod um, you'll get also other vegetable options to choose from like you could put pumpkin lentils chana all these various things you can put into your roti and once again you're not going to find these things if you purchase a roti from Shafet. life in barbados a year on a paradise island travel agent i get lots of inquiries about weddings and barbados is an ultimate destination wedding i had the pleasure of chatting to a wedding planner a photographer and an MC and DJ to give me an insight into what weddings here are like in the island. Life in Barbados. So just before lockdown, I was finishing off some dinner at the Lone Star restaurant, which is just, it's a local restaurant to me. And I saw a flyer for weddings there. So I'm hearing more and more about people who are interested in destination weddings. So I took the flyer as a bit of a sign and I thought, why not record a romance related episode to coincide with Valentine's Day? So here we are. So in my research for the episode, I came across an intriguing antique called Sailor's Valentine's. Now, I've never heard of this before, so it led me down a bit of a rabbit hole to find out more about it. So Sailor's Valentine's were originally made between the 1830s and the 1890s. So they were designed as souvenirs and they were from a sailor's voyage at sea. So sailors would take these home and give them to loved ones. They were wooden boxes with intricate designs made entirely of small seashells. And apparently a large number of them originated in Barbados. So they're now collectibles and they can even be found in the V&A in London. Check out the YouTube video in my show notes to hear more about the romantic tale behind these souvenirs. Life. In Barbados, a year on a paradise island. This week, I also put a shout out to the fantastic people of Barbados Travel Advisor Facebook group and asked them for their romantic spots to visit, things to do or places to eat in the island when there are no restrictions in place. And they didn't disappoint. 
there were plenty of suggestions from horseback riding to sunrise and sunset walks to sitting on a bench at Hunts Gardens with your partner with gentle piped music playing in the background. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? So to find out more about other recommendations, head on over to my blog, which you can find on otherworldtravel.com. We have lots of people popping up in today's episode. We have Melissa, the wedding planner extraordinaire, who's going to be telling us all about how easy it is to plan a wedding in paradise. We've got Cedric from Visit Barbados, who's going to tell us about some of the more unusual wedding venues that he knows of people getting married in. We've got Ania, a photographer who has documented many picture-perfect weddings. We hear from Simon, who got hitched in the island, rounding off with musician, MC and DJ Kirk, who is responsible for bringing those Caribbean vibes to your special day. Life in Barbados. Wedding planner Melissa, Weddings by Melissa. It was great to meet you a few weeks ago. I really enjoyed seeing the Lone Star as a wedding venue through your eyes as a wedding planner. That is stunning. Sometimes we even want to have the beach, not to eat, but like they can have their canopies and their drinks on the beach after the ceremony. And they can enjoy it. And sometimes we've transformed that beach into like cocktail lounges, couches, bars. I've no doubt this weekend will result in a fair few wedding proposals. And I would say Barbados is a fantastic choice for a wedding destination. So what what is it that makes Barbados an ideal choice for those wanting to tie the knot? I consider us the gem of the Caribbean. We're very, you know, our infrastructure is a lot better. Uh, we have one of the best infrastructures in the Caribbean, along with a few other, very small among other islands. You know, we're well protected from the hurricane belt as well too, so that also helps. And also we are, you know, we have sun, sand and sea. It's, we're in the tropics, we're warm all year. It's the perfect location to come and get married. Um, our people are very friendly. That tree alone there, yeah, yeah I, I've been, that, that, that one there, that I've one. had photographs against that the last time yeah. I was here with the girl. If you just go to our Instagram account, I mean, that tree is the most photographed tree in the island. I'm not surprised. Like, that is the perfect like, tropical palm yeah. tree. <laughs> we have um, great venues that you can look at. There's lots to do for bride and grooms with their guests on the island. Um, so everyone that comes there really much, you know, they consider Barbados their second home so they like to come here all the time and the pictures alone that you see all over the internet and whatnot is exactly when you get here is exactly what you see um in all the advertising it really is like that's that's one thing that struck me the color of the water and like the color of that sand oh it's it's yeah it's amazing <laughs> yes definitely it is lovely we, we are very blessed we have it all four corners of the island we can go anywhere the island's very small um, you know, our population is very small as well, too. Everyone knows everyone, so it's really easy when it comes to um, planning. Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island. Cedric from Visit Barbados. Over the years, you've come across some very unique requests from those looking to tie the knot here in Barbados. What's been one of the most memorable ones? Oh, there have been plenty over time. You find some people just request a normal, quiet um, local wedding in a church or something. But then you, uh, you have some um, people who did a bit more excitement, so they'll probably take over a plantation house and use the old rugged look with some black and white films. You've also got people who have chosen to take the plunge after being on the Jolly Roger, which is a pirate ship, or maybe a catamaran cruise. 
we've also got something like the Atlantis submarine. We've had a couple of weddings on the Atlantis submarine, 150 feet below the surface, just off Barbados. We've also had some uh, another one of our major attractions called the Harrison's Cave, and that means you could be 200 feet below the Earth's surface. So people come with all kinds of things. I guess people like to know that they have uh, a unique celebration for the, for the wedding. And tell me about the submarine one then, the Atlantis. What's the deal with it? It's been here, I'm going to say like about 25 years or so. Uh, you can call and arrange a wedding if you want to and see what, what they've got in terms of just um, providing a, a a priest or, or whatever drinks food below the surface kind of thing life in barbados life photography by Ania. and what about videos are more people asking for kind of their day to be documented via video uh, along with photographs as well yeah they are i feel like photography is still sort of paramount when people think of weddings and if they're to put pen to paper and they say this is what we need a photographer is probably the top of the list but more and more I'm seeing videography come in hand in hand and maybe 5% of inquiries will say we're looking for photographers and videographers do you do both definitely is something that is I think kind of viewed in the same sort of sentence that people will say oh videographer and photographer or vice versa but I do think it's definitely coming up for sure if someone was looking for a photographer for a wedding and they were coming to here to Barbados, how would you work with them? Most of my inquiries come through email or Instagram. And from there, it's pretty easy. I have a consultation with them via Zoom. And that's pretty much it um, in terms of the formalities. Um, I keep in really close contact with my clients, whether they're from Barbados or they're from overseas. Most of my clients will have a wedding planner. And one month before the wedding, we have a scheduled meetup where we just sort of go everything to make sure everybody's on the same page. If someone was thinking about coming to Barbados to get married and they weren't quite sure, is there anything you would say to them to convince them to come here or any tips or recommendations you would have for them? First of all, getting married here is so easy. There's not a lot of red tape you have to go through. I mean, you can come in and literally come in on Friday and get married on Tuesday. You just have to go apply for the license and that's pretty much it. It is so easy. The big thing is that Barbados is a beach island, right? End of story. We are a beach island. But what I think a lot of people might not realize is that there's so many other locations for weddings that are not beach, that are not um, hot, that are not full of sand. <laughs> Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island. So many people have reached out to me since I've arrived who are also interested in moving here on the welcome stamp for a year. And I'm looking forward to hopefully meeting some of them in person soon. Life in Barbados. Liz is hoping to move here from the UK in a few months time. You contacted me because you're thinking on comedy Barbados. Is that right? Yes. Ah, yes. Exciting. Well, yeah. tell me all about that. How did you arrive at this thinking? Well, to be honest, I've been thinking about moving away since last year. I've always travelled quite a lot and worked on my own clock. I've never worked for anybody else. I've always dreamed of being by the sea. I love the ocean. I have a light in my room of a night that makes the ceiling look like an ocean. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. I say I'm manifesting this. I'm manifesting this. I really want to be by the ocean. Life in Barbados. A year on a paradise island. One thing you will notice in the water all across the island are surfers. Who better to give me the inside scoop 
hotspot and national and international surf champion Alan Burke. Life in Barbados. If I wasn't able to go and try a surf lesson, I thought, well, what would be the next best thing? It is five to nine and the beach curfew starts at nine o'clock. So the rest of the surfers are just making their way in. And it's a good job because it has just started raining really heavy and there's a mist that's coming across the sea and I think I can spot Alan as well so I might just get to say hello before I head off. And speaking to a local surfing legend here in Barbados, a national and international champion, Alan Burke was the way to go. I'm really interested about how you started out in the world of surfing. Where I was born and raised is a beach named after my family. It's called Burke's Beach. It's about a mile south of Bridgetown, which is the capital. It's an area where all my grandfathers, brothers and sisters lived. There were six houses down in this little area uh, on the beach just next door to the Barbados Yacht Club. And it just became known over the years as Burke's Beach because all the Burks lived there and it was a fairly open place. Everyone used to congregate there to build boats, go fishing, go sailing, playing water polo right in front of my grandmother's house. All kinds of beach sports. We played beach cricket, beach football, beach volleyball, <laughs> diving, snort, you name it. Amazing childhood life. And on comes uh, my generation. There's actually one generation before me that surfed. It was Wayne Burke, which was my cousin, nicknamed Doc. And then Steve Johnson, whose mother was a Burke. And we started to use his board, actually, my brother and I. And we started to surf right out in front of Burke's Beach. And we then got into competition because we were a very uh, competitive family. The entire <laughs> Burke family is well known in the sporting arenas in, in Barbados in various different sports and at competitive level, national level. And in many of the sports, international level, my brother and I pretty much were the first Burke surfers that took it uh, at an international level where we were competing and uh, going on the world stage. Got a few people lying on the sand and they seem to be stretching. I suppose they're limbering up for getting into the water. A few nights ago, you told me a bit of a story behind the first year that you started surfing. Could yeah. you confirm for us when is the first year that you started surfing? My mom died in 1977. I was eight years old. My brother was nine and my other brother was 11. So that was a shocker in our lives. Mm. And my dad, the following year, picked us up and took us to Canada, which is where her family, she was born in Guyana, but her family uh, immigrated to Canada back in the 60s or whenever it was. And he took us to Canada to see the family and to Disney World. Now, I went through my entire life thinking that I went to Disney World in 1979, and I've done endless surfing in interviews, and I've always said I started surfing in 1979. But I recently was informed by my dad, because I always knew I, I went to Disney World, and when I came back from Disney World, I started surfing. But I was enlightened recently that my dad said, we did not go to Disney World in 1979. We went in 1978. So all oh. my life, I'm, I'm actually a one-year-older surfer than I always thought. So I started surfing in August 1978 and not August 1979. So that's when I started. Why would somebody come to Barbados surfing if they've maybe experienced something like surfing in Newquay? Well, first of all, Newquay is freezing cold <laughs> Good point. <laughs> when when I went there, that was the shock I was leading up to tell you. It wasn't the level of the surfers there. It was the 
temperature of the water because I had never surfed in a wetsuit before going to Cornwall. So we were wearing a tiki, which was a very popular brand there. Bill Thompson knew the guy that owned tiki very well. And we, we were wearing these five millimeter suits and stiff and just tough. But to really answer your question, Barbados is so open to every single swell that's out there knocking around. We, we are 100 miles to the east of the Caribbean island chain, so we stick out. So we get waves coming from the North Atlantic, from off of Africa, coming up from off of Brazil. Life in Barbados. I celebrated my birthday a month ago and it was a very different birthday as it was my first in lockdown. I managed to escape it by a few weeks last year. We were in restrictions here in Barbados, but I still made the most of it. Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island. My neighbour messaged me to say that I had post in the mailbox. So my first question was, where is the mailbox? And second question, who is sending me something in Barbados? Very exciting. So I've just picked it up and it has got Barbados stamps on it. So who locally would be sending me some post? Who knows? I'm going to check it out now. Oh, well, it is actually from my friend Helen. So there's a note inside and it says, Happy birthday, Yvonne. So sorry not to share it with you in person. Counting the days until October. I'm sure you'll have a fab day anyway. Love, Helen. So Helen was meant to be here on my birthday this year. I've spent numerous birthdays with Helen in London and travelling elsewhere. So because of the UK restrictions and international travel, she wasn't able to come. However, she has rebooked for October, so looking forward to seeing her then. And what's included in the package is Jan Jet jewellery. And I've got a beautiful necklace with a turquoise blue tassel at the end of it. It looks absolutely stunning. Just on a quick Google search and Jan Jet Jewelry is based here on the island in Bridgetown by the looks of it or Christchurch. So that is amazing that she went to all that trouble to find somebody locally to send me a piece of jewelry. Thank you very much Helen. Life in Barbados. This week we have seen easing of restrictions. We're now able to go to the beach and exercise between 3 and 6pm. This is making a huge difference to me personally because I generally work within that morning slot for the beach and it's helped me to get into a better routine as well. It means I'm making sure that I'm finishing up work by about 4pm and I get time to head to the beach and go for a bit of a dip. We are also now allowed to have takeaways and curbside pickup from restaurants. So we still can't go into restaurants, but we can go and get some different food from what we've been cooking at home ourselves. So I'm going to try that out this weekend. There are a few other shops that have opened up. So mini marts, which were previously closed and it was only supermarkets that were open. So they are now open as well as I think hardware stores and things like that. So the restrictions will be reviewed in a few weeks time. And I think it's all going in the the right direction. So the COVID numbers have been coming down and I think the protocols have been working. So let's see where we get to. Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island. As usual, all the links to today's topics are in the show notes, as well as details of how to subscribe and leave a review if you're enjoying the show. Wish me luck with the podcast awards and remember to take up my offer of 10% off your next holiday to Barbados head over to life-in-barbados.com forward slash offer 
to book in for your free consultation. Make sure you subscribe to Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island. Go to life-in-barbados.com forward slash subscribe. If you've been enjoying Life in Barbados, you're going to want to check out my other show, The Bucket List. Each episode, I chat with locals, guides, and even some people I met along the way on various dream trips. Experience safari in Tanzania, road trips across the US, and hiking across Australia's national parks, just to mention a few of the episodes. Go to otherworldtravel.com forward slash podcast. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.